Welcome to this edition of Back to Basics with Pastor Brian Broderson. I'm looking at this as more the responsibility of the church to tell the truth. See, that's the temptation that the church is facing these days. The temptation not to tell the truth because the truth is going to be offensive, because the truth is going to give people the wrong impression, uh, because the truth is going to get us in trouble, maybe. Today on Back to Basics, Pastor Brian continues his study through the books of the Old Testament prophets. Join us as Pastor Brian resumes his teaching on Ezekiel chapters 1 through 5. Now, here's Pastor Brian. How many people had seen UFOs and how many people had been abducted by aliens and all of, all of that sort of thing? It's a pretty popular film at the time. But I remember seeing this film and this Ezekiel passage, they kept bringing this up on the screen and reading through it and basically using this as their proof text to see, look, the Bible says that there are UFOs and here's a description of one right here. So is this a UFO? No, (laughs) this is not. These are cherubim. And again, it's, I mean, this is something that somebody who's very artistic could, of course, take what it says here and do an artist's rendering of it, and we could get some sort of an idea of what it might look like. But even though it seems kind of freaky in a lot of ways, I mean, this, these creatures are probably so glorious that we, we can't even imagine the beauty of them. And this is, this is what Ezekiel's seeing. Now, one little note when we get to the 28th chapter, we're going to read about an anointed cherub that covered the throne of God, but who fell. Whoa. Yeah, whoa. <laughs> That's right. The 28th chapter of Ezekiel gives us an insight into something that happened in the past And it basically tells us about the fall of the one that we call the devil. But he's referred to as you were the anointed cherub who covers. So these beings that we're reading about right here, this is what the devil was before he became the devil. That's kind of freaky, but that is the reality. So, as we go into the chapter, it just goes on, you know, further further with uh, this description. And then let's jump down to verse 25. So there came a voice from above the vault. So there's this sort of vaulted thing that's there here in the picture. And above the vault, over their heads, was what looked like a throne of lapis lazuli and that's a stone a bluish lavenderish stone and high above the throne was a figure 
like that of a man. I saw that from what appeared to be his waist up, he looked like glowing metal, as if full of fire, and that from there down he looked like fire, and brilliant light surrounded him, like the appearance of a rainbow in the clouds on a rainy day, so was the radiance around him. This was the appearance of the likeness of the glory of the Lord. And when I saw it, I fell face down, and I heard the voice of one speaking. And so what Ezekiel is describing, as we go through all of this, he's describing the vision that he has of the Lord. And so these four creatures are surrounding the throne. Now we get a picture similar to this without this kind of detail in Isaiah chapter 6. And we also get somewhat of a picture of this in Revelation chapter 4. But Ezekiel gives us the most detailed account especially of what the, these creatures, what their appearance was. So Ezekiel is, is having this vision of the Lord himself. And, you know, as I was reading through this these past couple of times, the thing that was striking me was just the reality of the spiritual realm and the fact that there is one who's seated upon the throne, whose description is, as Ezekiel said here, like a flaming fire. And that there are these, these cherubim, that, that these are real things that are hidden from our sight presently, but these are things that we will one day experience as we ourselves are there caught up into the presence of God. And for me, it was just to kind of pause and ponder and to think about how amazing that will be and how amazing it is right now to know that the Lord is on the throne and he's in total and complete control. And this this glorious picture that's being painted for us here is to remind us of the greatness and the glory of God. And that's what Ezekiel says, right? He says, this was the appearance of the likeness of the glory of the Lord. And now Ezekiel is going to be called by God to a very, very difficult ministry. Just like Jeremiah had a difficult ministry, and we saw that as we walked through his prophecy, Ezekiel is going to have a similar type of a thing. And so this is... In a sense, this is God's preparation for Ezekiel. And so when Ezekiel sees the Lord, he sees him in his glory, all that he is going to have to deal with, all the rejection and the challenges and all the things that are going to come along with his efforts to turn the hearts of the people back to the Lord, this will be the thing that strengthens him. And just along those those lines for us, as we spend time with the Lord, as we get a clear vision of who he is, as, he, as we remember that the Lord is upon the throne. You know, this helps us navigate life in this world. This helps us face the challenges. This helps us uh, be strong and not afraid when we remember that God is in charge. And so that's what I 
am taking away from this first chapter. The Lord is in control. Now, the second chapter and the third chapter, the word of the Lord comes to Ezekiel. And the message is essentially the same, uh, beginning in the second chapter and running through the third chapter. But let's look at chapter one, verse two. It says, and he said to me, son of man, stand on your feet and I will speak to you. So let me just pause and say, son of man is the way the Lord consistently refers to Ezekiel. And in Referring to Ezekiel this way, it's just a reference to his humanity. Now, Jesus referred to himself as the son of man also. But Jesus, when he referred to himself as a son of man, there was a double meaning to it. The, the one meaning was in the same that, yes, he was indeed a human being. But for Jesus, it was also the way that he was being identified as the Messiah, because the seventh chapter of Daniel describes the Messiah as the one like the son of man who comes in the clouds of heaven. And so Jesus would use the son of man um, to refer to himself in that prophetic sense as the Messiah. But not so with Ezekiel. Ezekiel is using it or God's using it regarding Ezekiel as simply being a human. And so standing on your feet, as he spoke, the spirit came into me and raised me to my feet. And I heard him speaking to me. And he said, son of man, I am sending you to the Israelites, to a rebellious nation that has rebelled against me. They and their ancestors have been in revolt against me to this very day. The people to whom I am sending you are obstinate and stubborn. Say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord says. And whether they listen or fail to listen, for they are a rebellious people, they will know that a prophet has been among them. And you, son of man, do not be afraid of them or their words. Do not be afraid, though briars and thorns are all around you and you live among scorpions. Do not be afraid of what they say or be terrified by them, Though they are a rebellious people, you must speak my words to them, whether they listen or fail to listen, for they are rebellious. So God is warning Ezekiel up front that his, his message is not going to be received and that he's going to be in a hostile environment. But the Lord says, don't be afraid. You know, as God's people, we are called to speak the truth. And sometimes we're called to speak the truth in hostile environments. We're called to speak the truth in places where people do not want to hear the truth. And just here's a reminder that that's nothing new. This has been the experience of God's people over and over and over again. And so the word to Ezekiel is don't, don't be afraid. And again, that takes us back as we, as we look at the Lord, as we keep our eyes on the Lord, as we remember that we're, we're serving him and we're speaking for him and we're proclaiming his word, then we, we do that 
fearlessly because it's his word. But you, son of man, listen to what I say to you. Do not rebel like the rebellious people. Open your mouth and eat what I give you. Then I looked and I saw a hand stretched out to me. In it was a scroll, which he unrolled before me. On both sides of it were written words of lament, mourning, and woe. And so Ezekiel is to take and notice the, the contents. Lament, mourning, and woe. So that, that's the message of Ezekiel. It's not a pleasant message. And so chapter three just carries on with the commissioning. Son of man, eat what is before you. Eat this scroll, then go and speak to the people of Israel. So Ezekiel is to eat the scroll. In other words, he's to digest the, the words of God. They are to become a part of him. And then he is to go out and speak them to others. And, you know, this is a, it's a good picture, really, of the way it works for us. Feeding on God's word. And as we're feeding on it, as we're being nourished by it, as it's becoming part of who we are, when we open our mouths and speak, God's word flows out from us. And you know that, I love that when I you know, talk to somebody who has just, you know, there, there are people that just are faithfully feeding on God's word. And so even when you have a conversation with them without any pretense or anything like that, they just, just the way they communicate, you can, you can sense that they're full of God's word. It's just sort of woven into their speech. And on the tip of their tongue, there are those, those words from the Lord. That happens as we feed on God's word as we feed on it and as it becomes just like our food, you know, becomes part of us and strengthens us and gives us the nutrients and those things, God word, God's word does that same thing with us. And so Ezekiel is to do this. And he goes on here and let's jump down to verse five. Well, verse four, he says, he said to me then, son of man, go now to the people of Israel and speak my words to them. And listen to this. You are not being sent to a people of obscure speech and strange language, but to the people of Israel, not to many peoples of obscure speech and strange language, strange language whose words cannot, you cannot understand. Surely if I had sent you to them, they would have listened to you. But the people of Israel are not willing to listen to you because they are not willing to listen to me. For all Israelites are hardened and obstinate. But I will make you as unyielded and hardened as they are. I will make your forehead like the hardest stone, harder than flint. So God's saying um, they're, they're the most hard-hearted people. They're the most stiff-necked people but I'm going to set you against them and I'm going to strengthen you. I'm going to give you a head that's harder than theirs because they're going to try to prevent you 
from doing what I'm telling you to do. And I'm going to give you the resolve to, to stand firm. You know, sometimes when we think about a situation maybe that might arise, like what if we had to, what if we had to speak in front of somebody to stand up for the Lord or some type of a situation that might arise that we're intimidated by when we think about it. Remember this, that God gives us what we need when we need it, not before we need it. Because, you know, there are times when we think, oh, gosh, I don't know, what, what would I do? I don't know if I could stand up. I don't know if I could really be strong enough. I've heard lots of people express fear about what if persecution comes and I, I just can't stand up under it? Well, what am I going to do? I don't feel like I'm strong enough. Well, you're probably not. But you will be when the time comes because God will give you the grace that you need for the moment when you need it. He doesn't give it to you before. And so he's telling Ezekiel, and I'm sure Ezekiel... I don't know if he's all that excited about this job that he's being drafted into. He's probably thinking, I don't know if I want to do this. This really sounds miserable. It sounds dangerous. But the Lord says, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this for you. I'm going I'm to give you that same kind of stubbornness, but in, in the right way. So you can persevere against their attempts. And so just moving on quickly here in uh, chapter 3, verse 14, then the spirit lifted me up and took me away and I went in bitterness and in anger, of the anger of my spirit with a strong hand of the Lord on me. I came to the exiles who lived in Tel Aviv near the Kabar River and there where they were living, I sat among them for seven days, deeply distressed. So now the Lord, he's now on his mission to what God called him to do. So he goes and he sits before the elders. And at the end of seven days, the word of the Lord came to me, son of man, I have made you a watchman for the people of Israel. So hear the word I speak and give them warning from me. When I say to a wicked person, you will surely die and you do not warn them or speak out to dissuade them from their evil ways in order to save their life, that wicked person will die for their sin and I will hold you accountable for their blood. But if you do warn the wicked person and they do not turn from their wickedness or from their evil ways, they will die in their sin, but you will have saved yourself. Now, here God calls Ezekiel. It says, um, I've made you a watchman over your people. And so Ezekiel has this very specific appointment to go and to speak these words to them and not to withhold them. And God says, if you withhold them and they die, I'm going to hold you accountable. But if you faithfully deliver my word and they die in their sin, then you're not accountable because you, you did what I called you to do. And so he makes Ezekiel a watchman in this way. And this is what I want to emphasize. This is what God called Ezekiel to do. And the reason I say that is I have met numerous people over the years who have read this passage 
and thought, oh, this is what I'm supposed to do. I, I need to go preach to people. I need to go tell them that they're perishing. I need to go, you know, give them this word of judgment. And if I don't do it, God's going to hold me accountable. That, this is not a universal calling. It's not a, it's not a general calling. This is not every Christian is now to go out and do this. This was the specific call of Ezekiel. Now, there might be Christians at certain points in time and at certain places where God takes this text and burns it on your heart and says, I want you to go speak to these people. And if that's the case, you go do it. But not only have I met people who have taken this burden on themselves that the Lord didn't put on them, but I also have seen people try to impose this burden on others. And so it doesn't have a universal, general, personal application, although it might have application to you if God should choose to really speak to you in this way and you know use you specifically in this way. But where I do think it has application today is for the church itself. So the church is to be that voice in the world. Paul says that the church is the pillar and the mainstay of the truth. And so this is to be the voice of the church. Now, of course, this is not the only message or the entirety of the message of the church. The church's message is, of course, the gospel, the good news, the gospel of grace. There is that element in the message that that comes with warnings for those who reject it. But our, our primary message is not to go out and preach judgment. Our primary message is to go out and preach good news, the gospel. We can be saved from judgment. But I'm looking at this as more the responsibility of the church to tell the truth. See, that's the temptation that the church is facing these days. The temptation not to tell the truth because the truth is going to be offensive, because the truth is going to give people the wrong impression, uh, because the truth is going to get us in trouble, maybe. And so this is not new. This has happened over and over again. The church waters down its message. The church compromises its message. The church blends its message with the message of the world in certain areas, so we're not offensive. And whenever the church does this, things do not go well for the church and they do not go well for the society that the church is in. The church is the pillar and the mainstay of the truth. And so God places churches in communities for a number of reasons, but one of them is to testify to the truth. People should be able to walk into a church and hear the truth. The truth as it's rooted in God's word. And so as I look at this passage, I think of it, again, not so much personally, but more, I think of it as the, the calling of the church to speak the truth. And that if we do not speak the truth, if we lead people astray, if we tell people that your sin is not a problem, that you can go on living like that, that God doesn't really... Uh, care how you live. He just loves you. Well, God does love us for sure, but he loves us too much to let us stay the way we are. 
November, Back to Basics Radio is offering a timely resource titled One Minute Answers to Skeptics by Charlie Campbell. Has a skeptic in your life ever stumped you with questions regarding God, social ethics, or supposed contradictions in the Bible? Well, with this book, One Minute Answers to Skeptics, Concise Responses to the Top 50 Objections and Questions by Charlie Campbell, you can be equipped to address the questions of skeptics on those exact topics and many others. If you want to be equipped to always be ready to give a defense of the faith, we encourage you to call us right now at 1-800-733-6443 or visit us online at backtobasicsradio.com to order One Minute Answers to Skeptics by Charlie Campbell. And when you give a gift to Back to Basics, we'll send you this book as our way to say thank you. We do appreciate your generous support of this ministry. We'd also like to remind you that all of our other resources are waiting for you at backtobasicsradio.com or by calling our request line at 1-800-733-6443. That's 1-800-733-6443. Our desire is to encourage you in your daily walk with God. We'll continue tomorrow with more valuable insights from Pastor Brian as we study together in the book of Ezekiel. Back to Basics is the preaching and teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California.